What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Oh, the horn. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a selfless thing play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young man, we're going to play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, as far as opening games go, that was one. Yeah, you can call it that, man. I think I'd have rather stayed home and watched some of the uh, better football games on TV. I could have DVR'd that thing and watched it. Fortunately for me, I live in Atlanta, so it was a home game. But if I'd have had to travel many hours to watch that, I'd have been pretty ticked off on the drive home. Yeah, you know, having a couple of days to kind of maybe reflect over it, I was very disappointed uh, sort of at the moment. You know, I've, I've kind of reflected over a little bit. I haven't watched all the all the game again, but, uh, you know, looking at bits and pieces of it and, and you know, kind of reading what people are, are saying, I, I, I've probably, probably softened my impression a little bit. I think there was a lot of good that we saw. I think the dots connect pretty easily, at least in some respects, for us to improve uh, some of our diminished areas. Why don't we kind of stick to our form? Let's hit offense. We'll go defense. We'll go special teams, mini game ball players, all that good stuff. Where do you want to take us on offense? Well, man, let's start with the most controversial topic we can. Let's start with quarterback. I was fortunate to sit next to some players, family members in the stands and you know, they shared with me early on in the game that the players got the sense that, you know, that that they that Coker was going to start the second half, and uh, it was going to be a Blake Sims play the first half and Coker play the second half. I was holding out hope that that was going to be the case, because then you're not messing with anybody's psyche, right? Right. You're just saying hard mark. Here's where we're playing. Y'all both been getting playing with the ones and twos, and you know we'll break up the game. Instead, as we know, uh, Jacob Coker just came, you know, came in from mop-up duty and uh, just handed the ball off you know, two or three times. And so I, I was very frustrated at our offensive game plan. Well, I'll say this. 
we are limited by the play of our quarterback. He's a nice guy. He's a senior. He's meant a lot to the program. And the guys rally around him have nothing against the kid. But either open up the playbook and let him call everything, okay? I'll say, I'll say this. In my opinion, either A, he was not confident in throwing the ball all across the field, or they limited what he could do. So maybe I haven't seen the full performance. But I saw a quarterback who was not either allowed to or chose to throw the ball <clears throat> inside the hash marks. And so with the exception of one pass across the middle, which was intercepted, pretty much every other pass was dinking and dunking three and four yards in the flats or behind the line of scrimmage. It's easy to throw 70% completion when you're throwing a three or four yard pass. And so I, I feel like West Virginia walked up their corners, their safeties were able to play against the, were able to play against the run and we limited what we could do on offense by how we chose to to handle the passing game. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot of lot of things to kind of you know kind of chew on that that you spit out there, and and I don't I don't out of the box disagree you know with any of them. I think that for a little bit, I wonder if the coaching staff didn't handcuff themselves uh, in the uh, the conferences leading up to press conferences leading up to the game. You know, Saban was very clear that he was not going to have a quick hook. He didn't want Blake looking over his shoulder, and I think that's fair. I think that's okay. Uh, he also said that there was not a defined rotation, and I think that can be fair too. But then as you get into the game, I kept wondering, was well, now the good time to rotate, and what does that mean? And every time I thought that when well, now might be a good time, I sort of buffered up against one of these principles. No quick hook. There's no set rotation. So when you think, well, one guy gets the first half, the other gets, guy gets the second half. That starts to sound like a set rotation. If you're giving him, you know, no quick hook, we want to see what you can do, then it makes maybe sense to say we want him to go through a halftime and come out a halftime uh, having made some adjustments. When he threw the interception, I thought that was a terrible pick. Never should have thrown that ball. OJ had the, the defender in his pocket the whole way down the field, you thought, well, maybe that's when you make the, the change. And you think, well, nope, that's your quick hook. You can't do that. And so I never really found a real comfortable the, – the, the, what really kind of re resonated with me was maybe the second or third possession of the second half, but then that didn't happen either. And then by the time you got to where uh, uh, Coker came in, I, I, was, I thought that was frustrating. I almost thought that that was just embarrassing that you're going to bring him out at that point. Heck – if Don't anything, even bring him out. Yeah, let if anything, if anything, let Sim sort of christen the performance by you know by taking the victory formation, and so I, that was sort of one line of thought that kind of spun off from from you know kind of your introduction there. Look, without question, you know seventy percent completion percentage is good. He attempted more uh, more passes than any Alabama quarterback in their starting game. He completed more than any quarterback in their starting game. You know, two hundred fifty yards could have been up near three if Christian Jones had had not caught a ball. You know, had had not had a drop there. You know, the offense kicked out five hundred thirty eight yards. So there's a lot of pluses that you can look at Blake Sims and say that he had a role in leading the team to that performance. And so there's a lot of positives that you can put on there. However, the biggest, call it a negative, the biggest question mark, you know, Saban said in his postgame press conferences pretty clearly that, uh, uh, that Sims was running with a limited playbook. And when you start talking about 
you know, he was one for four on deep passes, you know, really doesn't have that in his repertoire. Again, I think that's just, he doesn't have the arm strength, I don't think, to consistently throw those balls down the field. He floated some balls on the run that that uh, I think could have been easy easy completions. Uh, I think he missed a touchdown. Threw behind some receivers. Threw some going behind some crossing receivers. Routes. Some yep. of that could be nerves because there are some quarterbacks in their first game that would not have played as well as he did. So I want to be careful, uh, you know, from where I sit, you know, I put a little hot sauce on my crow and, uh, you know, I choked it down because I thought Coker was going to be the day one guy. Sim goes out there, Sims goes out there and does not, I don't think plays bad. What I think he does, though, is he limits what we can do in the playbook. He got more comfortable when we ran uh, a no huddle, which is not really who we are and what we do. And so it kind of begs the question, you know, I think, uh, and, and I put together an article on the Bama Hammer site, I think that the quarterback position or, or controversy or, you know, battle, however, whatever sort of word you want to use, I think it's more murky now than it was the days leading up to the game. Oh, sure. And, and that's why I tried to, you know, you know, I guess backtrack a little bit on my opening statement by saying maybe they limited what he could do. You and I have seen a body of work from two A-Day games. We have seen body of work from limited, you know, work, you know, coming in and backing up AJ. I think that he demonstrated, I'm going to, I'm going to say this as a statement and I mean it as a question. Answer, answer this statement. We have seen that body of work and that has led us, I think appropriately to the conclusions that he would not be the starter because, because of that, because of that body of work, but he came out and he outperformed that body of work. Is that fair? I will say, mm, mm. That's hard. Um, has he has he outperformed the previous things we've seen? Yes, but once again, he was dinking and dunking. Okay, and so I, I guess a better way to say it is at the beginning of a game, right? What what do they what do the announcers say when you're watching at home? Oh, they're going to do some easy passes, right, to get his confidence up. Sure, sure. Well, that's what they did the whole freaking that's game. What, that's what we did the whole game. <laughs> and so, and so, so my point is, and, and you said it best when you were saying limiting the playbook. We got some of the best receivers in the country, and we are not opening up the running game and the running lanes by airing it out. I kept, I kept screaming, throw it to the tight end down the hash. Well, I even sat there to the people around me. But I was like. He's not, they're not allowing him to throw it to the middle of the field. Okay. And so I want to be fair. I don't think, I think Blake did exactly the marching orders that he was given. Oh, sure. And so did I expect him to be 24 of 33 for 250 yards? I honestly did not. I didn't think he'd crack 200 yards to be fair. Okay. So, so I think he did what he was told to do. I think what he was told to do was very limiting by the by the play calling. And so that's why I said if he's gonna be the guy right now, then let him let him run the whole playbook. And then bring Coker in and run the whole playbook. And then you have an apples to apples comparison. And I like how you said it's murkier now than it was. I also like how you said that Blake Sims should have stayed in at the end. At least put a bow on it like you like to say, right? And sure. let him walk off feeling better instead of Coker feeling like crap. Well, Coker I mean, almost <laughs> rushed out there like it was a, like it was almost a forgotten thing. Oh, we've got to get you in there, and so he's like sprints on the field just to to take a knee, and it just that just felt so 
awkward. It just felt so weird. Let them, you know, it's like uh, it's like when you, you know, in, in baseball, you know, you pull your starters kind of one by one so they can get the sort of the crowd. Well, in football, it's kind of like that, but it's really, you know, the victory formation. You know, Gene Stallings' favorite play, right? He earned, I think, the right to, to get to run that play. If you haven't played Coker up until that point, yes. To run him out there to do that to me is it's almost like when we put Alec Morris at the end of the you know two snaps at the end of the game just a you know against you know Podunk U just to just to hand off that's more of an you know all season he's been wanting to play and that's what he gets yes that's, you know it's, last year that was an I thought I thought an embarrassment for Morris and this I thought was an embarrassment for Coker yes I would agree and when he came out I was like oh my gosh I, I my immediate thought was if I was his family watching this on TV, and he had given Jameis Winston everything he wanted at Florida State and could have transferred a lot of places. I know it's just one game. I know it's one game. But my gut reaction there was I'd be pretty pissed off if I was his family. Watching watching this is what he was brought in to do in game one. And so yeah. that's why I said bringing him in at the, at the start of the second half. I understand what you're saying about making adjustments. But to me – Either bring him in like on the third series. I understand. Or bring him in at the start of the second half and just make it a hard mark, right? Because then we're not we're not playing favorites one way or the other. Because I do think Blake Sims deserves the right to win the job because he is a kid that will do anything you ask him to do. He's played sure. wide receiver, he's played running back, quarterback, et cetera. Safety. But but yeah, and, and so and so this is but we we made a four and eight team last year look good. We made a team that did not deserve to be in the game. They were tied at halftime, and they had a chance to tie it in the fourth quarter. And that is embarrassing as a Bama fan. Well, so that you know, really ticks me off. Well, I, I think I think most of that. I I think most of that. Let's kick over to the defensive uh, to the defensive discussion. I think there are hallmarks. This game was closer than both of us predicted it was. You know, we said it was going to remind us of the Michigan game, and it and it didn't. Uh, but there were hallmarks of a dominant performance. You know, we we you know we led them up possession. You know, thirty almost thirty eight minutes. You know, we had a quarterback to throw seventy percent. We had you know over five hundred yards of total offense. We had a receiver that almost tied the Alabama single game receiving record. You know, he had twelve. DJ DJ Hall in, in 07 had thirteen. You know, Cooper had one hundred and thirty yards. We had two one hundred yard rushers. You know, there were hallmarks of a dominant performance, and I think that the offense. I think even with what we're saying about limited playbook. The offense, I think, delivered. I think it was the defense maybe that uh, could have gotten the – and we'll talk defense, but I think it's the defense that could have held up uh, their end of the bargain uh, a little bit better. Let's talk about some of the other things that we saw on offense. You know, Chris John Jones, you know, we can we can talk about Sims, you know, hanging that ball up a little bit, and and, and it did uh, – you know, it was kind of a floater, but, you know, Chris John Jones is a – you know, is a punt returner. So he's used to, you know, he's used to balls turning end over end, not just wobbling. And he's used to catching those, you know, kind of waiting to catch them in traffic. And I love Christian Jones, but, you know, he knows more. He knows as well as anyone, man, he should have caught that ball. He should have caught the ball. And, and when you watch it on the replay, which, you know, we couldn't see his eyes, you know, up close like you can on the HDTV. He, he definitely was trying to run with the ball first mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. before, he, before he brought the ball in. And, and he knows better than that. I am surprised. Well, given the way that we did not 
stretch the field with the passing game because that really wasn't a design play, right? That was just a the receiver's been running around forever and we've had great pass protection. So sure. now he's 50 yards down the field. Yep. Um, I was surprised that not only did we limit the playbook with how we threw the ball, but we kept throwing it to the same guy. Take nothing away from Amari Cooper. Um, now I know DeAndre, I know DeAndre White got hurt, um, but I am surprised, and 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 I'll we'll we'll talk more about this with the defense as well. I was not impressed with the overall substitution patterns, okay, of of our team, and the and the guys that we ran out there in this game. We did not really run as many wide receivers on the field as I thought we would. You and I talked in the preseason about our depth and about all the receivers that we have. Okay, this is not a team that just has to run four guys out there. So I was very surprised that Chris Black really didn't get any run until DeAndre White got hurt. Before DeAndre White got hurt, it was pretty much the Amari Cooper, DeAndre White, Chris John Jones show. And that was yeah. it, besides tight ends. We did not see really limited – we didn't see our Darius Stewart till the end as well when, when White was hurt. What did you think about that? I, I just felt like we didn't, we didn't share the ball around like I thought we should have. Well, we definitely could have. We definitely could have shared the wealth. I, you know, at the end of the day, which is I think different from what you're saying, we did see a lot of receivers get in there. You know, Falcons got in. I don't know that I saw Robert Foster uh, out there, but uh, our Darius Stewart was out there. I was surprised uh, to see Cameron Sims out there get some run. And in fact, he uh, he was out there for a play in the first half. And then uh, was out there some more in the second half. I was a little bit surprised at that, just given our overall uh, abundance of talent that I, I thought we might, you know, kind of redshirt him. But um, you know, we did get a lot of guys out there. You know, we did a lot of uh, a lot of unique uh, formations with the tight end. We put the tight end out wide quite a number of times. Vogler was out was lined up wide a lot. OJ Howard was lined up out a lot, uh, and then Fowler. Uh, we we lined him out out wide once as well, and so we were trying to draw some of their big bodies outside, uh, which I thought was was interesting. Had to get them out of the tackle box, man. They were loading the box. Well, they were, and so that was you know that was certainly a way to to get them out uh, to ease up maybe some of the pressure, but then also to to open up some running lanes. The fact that we had two rushers rush, uh, you know, for over a hundred, I thought that was I thought that was very impressive. But uh, let me tell you, uh, let me um, you know, I noted this. And this is very interesting, right? Because we've talked about the rotation at running back. And we've talked about, you know, there's a starter, and then the second guy comes in probably the third or fourth possession. I knew you were going to say this. Go ahead. (laughs) And so Henry came in on the first drive. And I thought, well, okay. Got the first carry. And got the first carry. Exactly. That's what I was what I was building up to, right? You I'm stole sorry. thunder. No, sorry. no, that's fine. Because I, because I'm glad that you noticed that as well. And so the starter not only didn't get to play, you know, and I'm not mad at, at Yeldon by any stretch, but it's just interesting, you know, we've had Mark and Trent and and Lacey and you know, we've had guys and there's been a very defined rotation i've never seen the first possession of the game us rotate to the to the second running back and then the second running back get the first carry i thought that was very interesting i I thought you know coaches really do like derrick henry they do and what was really odd right is is you know maybe they were doing that because everybody was expecting yeldon to, to get the carry right and so you you go you go and look at um you go look at how that they started the game you know, they started the game with with Blake Sims coming out and, you know, completing his first two passes to Cooper. 
And so you're like, man, we're sitting here throwing the ball right out of the gate. And then to your point, you know, uh, Derrick Henry rushes and then Yeldon gets a carry. And, and I did find it interesting on the first series that Blake Sims attempted, which seemed like a lot to me, he attempted uh, four passes out of the six plays, you know, yep. on that first field goal drive. But then to your point, they came back with, with heavy Yeldon the, the very next time. But I, but I was surprised um, at how they did that. How did you like the use of Jostin Fowler uh, in the eye formation? That, that caught my eye. It wasn't done many times, but when we did have him back there as the lead blocker, I'm a big fan of that formation. And, and obviously, um, you know, that, that, that is getting brought back with our new offensive coordinator. What, what did you think of the, the use of Fowler in the game? Yeah, I love to see that. You know, the power eye with Fowler ahead of Henry. I mean, that's a lot of beef out there. And West Virginia runs, you know, that 3-3 stack. And so three down linemen with three linebackers behind them. And then they play, you know, a full-time nickel. And 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 <laughs> the people around me probably thought I was nuts because I was just yelling, pound the stack, pound the stack. You know, put the power high in there and pound the running game against that stack formation. You know, and then ideally you cover that, you come back and then you're able to throw over their heads. You know, I think we've covered that base, but it's like we had all the parts and pieces to really put on a show and and we didn't. But I, I think there's a lot that we still have there to work with. But yeah, I enjoyed seeing the power eye. Well, you hope that you could have come away from this game and say, we weren't trying to show a lot, right? We, I, I wish I could say to you, hey, that's what we thought. We didn't want to open the playbook. We didn't. We wanted to be vanilla. We didn't want to show a lot until we have other opponents. But you and I both know that Saban doesn't care about that. Saban doesn't mind showing everything. So I found it interesting when I, when I came back and, and got to watch it you know, on TV and got to listen to the announcers. They were talking about how much input Saban had. And the camera guys kept zooming in on Saban on the sideline. And they kept watching how much input he was getting. Yep. I mean, literally, he was getting consulted on most plays before the plays were sent in. And so it was almost like, you know, they're still getting used to working with each other. And um, he wasn't sure what he could get away with and what he couldn't get away with as far as Lane Kiffin is concerned. I don't know that I would brand it quite that way. I just think that's a very hands-on, managed demonstration that that's still a quarterback battle. And so Saban wants to know what the play is going to run, so he knows what the you know what the check down is and what the uh, you know what the reads are. That's what I think. I think that's more of just the managing of uh, the quarterback battle. Well, let me let me word that better. I think it was more <laughs> Lane Kiffin wanting to make sure it was okay than Nick Saban requiring it. I got the sense that Lane Kiffin was still feeling like you know let me see if he's good with this. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I, I, I didn't get the sense that Nick Saban was requiring him to do that more than he just felt like our first game together and, and I'm on the sideline, I'm not up in the press box. You know, something else we should mention real quick. I mean, what was your thought about that? Because Lane Kiffin likes to be in the press box. And so as an offensive coordinator, anytime he hasn't been the head coach, he's been in the press box. So what, what, what's your thought about, you know, no surprise that Saban wanted him on the field. But Saban's other guys have, have typically been up in the box. Yeah, I think it goes back to the quarterback battle, uh, the quarterback, uh, you know, getting Sims comfortable uh, if, if they are going to pull the quarterback. And they did actually, you know, Saban commented today that uh, that they did come close to, uh, to, to making a change. 
uh, there was a couple times where uh, the play clock uh, drained down. I think we could have been flagged both times. I think we got lucky once with a snap and uh, once with a timeout. We could have been flagged both times, and you couldn't have argued it. You know, Sim seemed a little discombobulated there, and they went to the no huddle, and uh, he kind of settled down uh, a little bit, and so they let him kind of work through that, which uh, which I, I kind of applaud that as an as an approach, anyways. I think just having the coach on the sideline, you know, they've worked in the meeting rooms together, uh, you know, all through camp, even in the off season, you know, we were allowed, uh, it's a new uh, rule this year that you could work with uh, the players during the off season. And so, you know, they've been sort of hands on, you know, tutelage that uh, because we still, you know, had a battle, so to speak, that, uh, you know, we wanted to get them on the field. I, you know, it makes sense to me. Now, if we get to week three or week four or week five, and and one guy has definitely started to separate and, and is is really christened uh, as as the starter. Uh, I'll be surprised if uh, if Kiff doesn't find his way to the press box at that point. Okay. Well, hey, one other thing that jumped out at me on the offensive side is um, well, two things real quick. Number one, I think the reason because because there was no defined rotation as to you know when he was going to bring Coker in, as you mentioned. Um, a couple couple things going back to the quarterback situation very quickly. One of the announcers in the game talked about going to visit practice a couple days before the game. Sure. And he was talking about, and, and I got the sense that he had not really got to see Coker up close and personal as an Alabama quarterback yet, right? Mm-hmm. And his takeaway was in seven-on-seven seven drills, he looked rock solid. But that when it got to team drills, that – he seemed a little off and his comment was from what he had heard, not trying to start rumors here, but that he, he got the sense from the coaching staff that Coker had not picked up the playbook as quickly as they thought he was going to. Sure. And so his observation was just throw slinging the ball around golden. Yep. But when it got to the rest of the stuff the nitty-gritties and the, the whole you know breast of the the whole depth of the playbook that he didn't have that yet yeah and i buy that right because one of the selling features saving has had all through camp is that man blake really knows the playbook uh you know he really knows what we're trying to do here and 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 you would expect as much you know a fifth year guy uh versus you know a three-month guy right so uh, i i think that i think in that you know we can, you know, we can go back to that discussion too, right? I think that that is what makes it such an intriguing, you know, such an intriguing dynamic is that one guy knows the playbook inside and out, and the other guy, if he knew the playbook, could execute it. <laughs> yes, yes, and and I didn't want to go back into the whole quarterback discussion. I just wanted to mention that comment because that stuck out at me when I was watching it, and and he was talking about his perspective of, of going to the practice because I think that had this game gone differently, right? Had there not been a kickoff return for them to answer at the end of the first half, had this game could have gotten to a 14 to 17 point gap, I think you would have seen Coker quicker. Yeah, I think the game game scoring prevented that as quickly as he wanted it to happen. Yes, oh, absolutely. If we'd gotten up, you know, 14, 17 points, I I think we would have seen uh, a shift there. Uh, There was a couple times I kept thinking, yeah, we're just about to do it, and then we'd give up a big play and let, you know, the kick kick return or, you know, whatever it was, we'd give up a big play, let them put some points on the board to kind of keep it right there at that that back-and-forth kind of game, and and you don't want to, even if you're not seeing everything that you want to see, you're seeing the team move the ball and perform, and you don't want to disrupt that apple cart. 
No, that's true. Hey, what did you notice um, about the offensive line? I, what jumped out at me is is that the the only backup that got to play was was Leon Brown. I was hoping to see some some run from from some of the other guys, and and we didn't see it. What jumped out at me was that you know Alfonso started the game. Leon Brown comes in to start the second half. He gets the two holding penalties, and he gets pulled out. He gets brought back in. He has an illegal procedure penalty, and he comes back out for good. He he got his chance in the second half, and after three penalties, they pulled. They they gave him the hook. Yeah, I you know I'll give you the nod. I I think that you went back and probably watched the the beginning of the of the game a little more closely than I did. I was going to say that I thought Leon started, but uh, you know the point is they both played, uh, and you're right; those were the only like real rotations that we saw uh, across the across the front. I think that we want, uh, and I, look, I'll say, look, I'll, I'll say it as plainly as I can. I think Leon's probably the better guy at the position, and you and I talked about that coming out of the Oklahoma game. I think that because he miss, missed uh, so much time at camp, that probably his wind isn't where it needs to be, and so I think some of the penalties may have been some of the split duty and then you could even if you wanted to attribute some of the penalties to his just fatigue and and so he's just you know, you know what do they say you know fatigue makes cowards of us all and it also makes us make mistakes and so some of his mistakes could have been uh, a result of that but but yeah he had two on what two on two holdings on one drive right and then uh and then he actually got to keep playing at that point but when he had the third when we had the third one i just you know it's just Sometimes I just can't contain myself, and I just yelled out, "Come on, Leon! That's your third penalty of the game!" And then promptly, promptly, you know, he's out of the game, and and Shank comes in and and takes over. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. That'll be interesting to watch as well as as more of the season goes on, how that battle plays out. Uh, I'm going to give the nod to Leon, but man, Alphonse played very, very well, and uh, I'm still going to keep an eye on Ari. And uh, Dominic Jackson, you know, we talked about this last year, uh, you know, Ari looked more athletic, maybe at the beginning of the season, less so later in the season. You know, there was a time that he went down, you know, blocking linemen, you know, get tripped up. And, and so he was on the ground getting back up. Uh, he just, you know, he just doesn't pop right back up like some guys do. He's a little more of an effort to sort of get his balance and get back up on his on his two legs. And so I just I think there's, you know, I think by the time we get you know, in the end of the meat of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Leon and Dominic manning those two guard positions. But I like, I will very much enjoy having a fresh legged Ari and Alphonse um, as backup guards. Well, what'd you, what did you think about the center position? I, I, I felt like in some of the short yardage plays, you know, um, we got pushed back at the center position got pushed back into the backfield, which kind of cost us on a couple short yardage plays. You know, obviously I, I wish we still had, you know, a, a different. Do you feel like the lack of a sense of competition at that position is going to hurt us this year? No, I don't. I think Ryan Kelly is really, really good. Uh, I think that he's not as, you know, he's not as heavy. Not saying he's bad. I'm just concerned that he, he doesn't feel like he's getting pushed from behind. Yeah, I, I think you know, and he's and he's probably not, but uh, I don't I don't think that that's going to lessen his 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 performance. I just think he's always been a little light, you know, in the pants for uh, you know for an interior lineman. You know, Chad, that's where Chad Lindsay, I think, who who is is built with a low center of gravity. Uh, yeah. I, I think that he was able to, you know, once he get you know, he's not much taller, 
standing up than he is in his stance. And uh, I, I think that, you know, he becomes a little more of a, a hard to move object, you know, there in the middle or Ryan Kelly's a little taller, uh, maybe built more like uh, more, you know, built more like a tackle almost, if you will, not quite as tall, but just, you know, his, his weight distribution isn't all, you know, hips and ass and belly. And, and, and that's sometimes what you get out of a center. So, but I know I, I think Kelly's, a, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be good for us, but uh, you know, I think the guard play is, is, you know, we could get, we could have gotten some double teams. Uh, we could have done a little bit more, you know, in that regard. I do want to say we're talking about offensive line play, you know, Cam Robinson, was you know we didn't hear much from him which is what you want when you got a you know a freshman starting at left tackle yeah I thought he I, I I tried to focus on him several times with the binoculars at the game and I felt like he was doing a good job of um on both pass protection and on run blocking um he actually did some good combo blocks with Ari um as well as with Brian Vogler you know I, I didn't see what the coaches scored him out on the game and and how he scored out um, but I didn't see anything that jumped out at me as an atrocious play of any sort. No, um, no. I was kind of looking for it, right? Because sure, you sure. expected well, there to be some laps. Right? Yeah, and and I, I didn't I didn't notice it. Hey, one more quick thing. I know we got to flip to defense, but yeah. you know they they scored the kickoff return at the end of the second half or end of the first half, which you know we we can talk about special teams in a minute. But that knotted the game up, gave them gave them some life going into the locker room, and so we come out of the second half and we've got a fourth and six. And I didn't get to appreciate this, you know, not listening to the announcers at the stadium. But when I watched the replay, apparently Lane Kiffin had called the corner blitz. He knew the corner blitz was coming. Mm-hmm. And so they they knew where the hot read was going to be to Amari. And Blake threw, you know, he wasn't even on the mark, okay, with 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 the with the with the route. And and Amari seemed kind of frustrated as he as he turned around because because he because he felt like, hey, I got the matchup I won on the safety, oh, and yeah, and this is yeah, mine. Yeah, when but, he was thrown on the run. Yes, yes, yes. And so and and so the camera zooms back over to Lane Kiffin, who you know, <laughs> he's very open in his expressions, right? Which is great. And uh, he just holds his arms out, like like he turned to Saban because Saban's right by him, and he's turned to Saban like, okay, watch this. Yep, yep. See, it's like I told you. It's like yep. we draw it up on the board. I and then this he, one up. Then he puts his hands out like. Really? And just the expression was like, oh my gosh, I, I set this thing up. I put it on a plate and, and it didn't go. Yeah. And, and, you know, and what's interesting on that one, and, and, you know, again, I don't want to go back and, and maybe rehash Blake again, but, you know, you think the mobile quarterback, the mobile quarterback, and, and he is, he is, he's, you know, he was, uh, uh, he was a running game a couple of years ago, right? And so he, and he was a running back at, at one point. So he is, he is the more mobile quarterback. Uh, you would think that he would have better touch throwing on the move. And, well, this is well, real quick, real quick. Let me jump in because I want to make sure the listeners know this isn't about Blake. I am more surprised that in a tie ball game with a quarterback that they are giving conservative plays to, that they would go for it on fourth and six. I think you know. Look, we can slice and dice this a couple of ways. You could say yes, okay, fourth and six, new quarterback. You don't do that. And then so it's very sort of vanilla or you could know what you have dialed up and you could know how they're going to defend it. And you could have studied this on film and said, when they do this, if we do this, this guy will be open. 
And so we could have said, oh, that is the bread and butter butter play right here. Thank you, baby Lord Jesus. When they line up this way, we're going to go in motion, and Amari will be wide open as, you know, as long as the day is, right? And mm-hmm. so there it is on a silver platter, and as he's rolling out to make that, that pass, you know, as he's rolling, you know, he's going to throw the ball, but the, his momentum, and so here I'm going to go science geek on you, right? As his as he is running, he is imparting momentum onto the ball. And so as he throws the ball, he's not just throwing it on a straight line from where he throws it, but that ball is continuing to travel towards the sideline because it has the momentum that he has imparted on it. And then it just completely sails. I mean, it looked like he was throwing it, you know, just to someone completely else because, you know, the ball took the trajectory, not just the, what he imparted as he threw, but his momentum from the run as well. And it just it just caused it to just sail, you know, and it was a horrid miss. And you think that's what we had dialed up. That was the play that we, you know, at eleven thirty at night, you know, hit the hit the chalkboard and said, This plays a touchdown, this plays a touchdown. And there it was. It would have been a touchdown. Well, I, I just I just was shocked that we went for it on fourth and six. And so then we get in the fourth quarter and we've got a fourth and one. It's a seven-point game, and we settle for the field goal to make it a you know two-score game. Yeah. And so it's like you go for it on fourth and six with a new quarterback at the 36-yard line, but you don't go for it on fourth and one at the 10, and you've been running the ball down their throats. I just I, that that was that bothered me. I, I couldn't understand yeah. that. I, couldn't no, I understand, understand what that. you're saying. Hey, give me uh, give me your mini game ball on offense, man. Um, you know I'm. I, in the in the pure spirit of mini game ball, right? And you're going to appreciate this. I'm going to give it to my boy Chris Black. Okay. And and just very quickly, Chris Black only had one catch, but it was a very critical third down grab. And and even the announcers, you know, later on when I watched it again, they're like, you know, we're shocked that they went they called Chris Black's number on this critical third down. And they were like, maybe the coaches are getting more confidence in this kid. And so his only catch, right? It's a big third down catch. And so mini game ball. Fantastic. You know what? We are both in mid-season form on the mini game ball. And I and I'll throw this out on the Chris Black. When he came in, yes, he came in after, you know, DeAndre went down. DeAndre White goes out and Chris Black comes in. That's funny. Um, but when Blake was playing in his backup role last year, who was his favorite receiver last year? Chris, Chris Black. Black. Yep. So I thought I thought part of it was because I didn't know at the time how injured DeAndre was. I thought, man, he they are putting a familiar face, a comfortable face in the huddle with Sims. That's what I thought they were doing. And of course, you know, of course he is going to be comfortable then uh going to the ball, you know, going uh you know, taking the ball to him. So I thought that was I thought that was very good. But uh, you know, hey, you know, the mini game ball, you know, everyone knows the headline, everyone knows everyone knows the player of the game. You know, we try to pick out something a little a little further, uh, you know, a little more obscure, if you will, but someone making a key contribution to the game. And so that's what we say our mini game ball is. And, Tommy, when you were kind of building up that you're going to, you know, in the spirit of the game ball, because you always try to break this. Uh, and so you you kind of you kind of nailed it. I thought, man, you're going to take my guy. You're going to take my dude. And I was going to be pissed off first game of the year that you take my dude because I got a good dude. My mini game ball goes to Jalston Fowler. And uh, he had one catch for seven yards. He lined up in the fullback position and uh, was was a lead blocker. But I tell you what, he made two plays that to me just just stood out. 
when uh, DeAndre White had his uh, 38-yard uh, scamper, uh, he had a, uh, a seal block that helped uh, DeAndre uh, catch the corner to score his touchdown. And when Derrick Henry scored his, uh, scored his touchdown, Justin Fowler had a kickout block that just uh, – and it was awesome just the perspective that we were sitting – well, you had different seats than I did, but in the end zone – uh, the far end zone, and so we saw the back of that play, and you you saw the play string out, string out, and when Justin Fowler kicked out his man, it was it was a truly clearly a green highway paved lane for jo- uh, for uh, Henry to score, and as soon as he kicked out, I just yelled touchdown, and uh, and of course he went in to score, and so I'm giving my mini game ball to Justin Fowler for. Uh, for his contributions all over the field, but two fantastic blocks. Awesome. Let's flip the field. Uh, take me to defense. What did you see on uh, on defense? I saw a team with four wins last year that scored 22 points with only 22 minutes in time of possession. And uh, that that's very frustrating. And the biggest the biggest thing there is – I don't feel like he played enough guys on defense. I, I guess there's two big things for me. The first thing is I feel like we we stayed in a base formation with four linebackers the majority of the game. Yeah. I didn't agree with that. I thought that we should have given some help to the cornerbacks right away when we saw where they were going with the ball. We got a team that only we, we got a team that only rushed for 38 yards in the game. And they were sitting there making one receiver look like a stud. And we're sitting here in a base four, not even our base nickel. We're sitting here in a base, you know, a base three, four, four defense, the majority of the game. And we're not even rotating the linebackers. I mean, we're, we're sitting here. I understand Trey wasn't able to go, but we're sitting here playing Reuben Foster and Reggie Raglan about 60 plays of their 69 offensive plays. And they're big linebackers, and and they're not able to to fill the gaps in the lanes and the passing lanes, and we're just sitting there keeping them running out, keeping them out there, keeping them out there, keeping them out there. Yeah. Dude, it was driving me crazy. Well, we you know we had long possessions uh, on our on our side, and uh, and so I think that helped us uh, be able to keep guys. Now they had some long drives on their side too, but uh, you know I saw us in nickel. You know I don't say a lot, but I saw I definitely saw us in in nickel a little bit. You know, they did only score one offensive touchdown, and so that that's something. You know, after the pick, we forced a three and out. We stopped them twice inside the 10. Uh, they had more success, you know, between the 20s than they did in the red zone. So there's enough there, again, to build on. They still scored, you know, 23 points and, and made it a 10-point ball game, but I think there's still enough there to, to play on. You know, we could go a couple different ways. You kind of let us off with uh, with linebackers. You know, Reuben Foster and Reggie Ragland, like you said, you know, two guys getting two new starters. At, playing the uh, whole game. Playing the whole game at middle. So, you know, you could say, you could argue that we didn't have, and we talked about this in our preseason, right? It's not just any old middle linebacker, but it's the middle linebacker who's calling the plays is is sort of a different cat. And so when Trey DePriest was out, and we didn't anticipate that, obviously, they kept that, they, they kept uh, when he that was quiet. out, I think that had a bigger impact than probably anyone outside of the four walls will really ever know. Oh, sure. And, and, they, and they kept it quiet, right? 
and and you and I talked about in our uh, we we talked in our in our podcast series on the defense about the uh, concern about the the depth at the inside linebacker positions, right? And we we specifically talked about that, and we even talked about the guys that were being asked to play in there that that had not you know you know that that we had the luxury of a CJ Mosley for the past three years. Well. You know, Reuben Foster is is running 244 pounds, yep. and Reggie Raglan is running 254 pounds. Yep. And these guys are running inside, side-by-side, side, over the offensive tackles the majority of the game. And so when you say you saw the nickel, and I'm, I'm sure you did, then it was a it was a different nickel than we normally show. I'll sure. say it that way. Sure. Because, because last year we did not see – two linebackers with that size in the middle of the field that much. No. And so, and so I thought we should have given Trey to priest, not going and given that Reggie Raglan and Ruby and Ruben Foster are, are new being asked to do that. I think we, we saw Dylan Lee one or two snaps early in the game. And then we saw him at the very end of the game, but we didn't see him early. We didn't see him in the middle. And we didn't see Sean Hamilton, the true freshman. And I think we should have saw both of those guys to sub in for Foster and Raglan. Yeah. You know, I, you know, if you watch and listen to enough people talk football, there's like a million different kinds of screens. You know, there's a jet screen and a, uh, you know, a smoke screen and a speed screen and a wide receiver screen and a running back screen. There's a million different screens. Well, Tommy, you and I just need to brand a bunch of different nickels. Because, you know, we've talked about the safety nickel. We've talked about a corner nickel. Now we've got some sort of, you know, two li- two middle linebacker. Because like you said, we've never run or rarely run a nickel with, with two middle linebackers. I don't know what we call that, a fat safety nickel or something. We need to come up with some branding for that. Because if we're going to run a lot of nickel and and have two middle linebackers in there, that is a different animal. And so we, we'll, have to, we'll have to brand that in some way or another. Well, it just... I just I, I felt that we put two new guys into the game. I couldn't tell who was calling the plays. I thought from from once again getting more of an advantage at home up close than you do in the stands. Sure. I felt like Reuben Foster was actually calling most of the game, and 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 not Reggie. Um, yep. But you got you got two guys in there new to that position calling the plays. Well, then not only were they picking us apart at the cornerbacks, and we'll get to the cornerbacks in a second. They were picking us apart right over the linebackers' heads, yep. just dropping it in front of the safeties. Yeah, you know we don't have, and and we talked about this in the preseason as well. You 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 don't have a single person that replaces a CJ Mosley. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a by committee type of thing, and so when you're by committee, uh, you know first day out doesn't have your most seasoned middle linebacker. You know that you have a ding in that you have a ding in that committee, right? And so, not going to draw too many sweeping conclusions based off one game. I think we're going to get better, you know, pretty quickly when when Dupree's comes back uh, in the middle. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because didn't see as much, nearly as much Dion Lee uh, or Dylan Lee as uh, as I expected. I, I I was definitely wrong on that one. Uh, I think he could have given us a little more agility, a little more. I don't want to say pass coverage ability, but uh, you know he's he is a little more versatile than you know your you know central casting two hundred fifty pound middle linebacker. Well, I will say this real quick, and this is nothing against because I think those two guys 
played pretty well. Oh yeah. For for what we put them in, it's just like Blake Sims. Okay, I am really disappointed in this coaching staff in this ball game, and they're not going to care my opinion because who am I? But I felt like we did not play enough guys at the defensive side of the ball. I did not feel like we ran enough guys at the wide receiver position early and often enough. I, I don't feel like we utilized our depth in this game. And so if I'm the coaches and I don't have Trey Priest at 250 and then I've got these other guys to go, I'm going to give these other guys – I'm going to run three and four guys out there to keep them fresh because if you go down the roster, David, maybe we don't have a nickel linebacker right now on this team. Because Trader Priest is 250, Dylan Lee is 245, Reggie Raglan and Reuben Foster are 245 to 255. My point is, you're, you're Jim Sean Hamilton. We might look up halfway through the season, and he's the starting nickel linebacker at 233 because it's really hard to ask a 250-pound linebacker to get 13 yards off the ball against a tight end. Well, it really is, and it's also hard to ask a freshman to do that. And I think you know, you think you know the the Sean uh, Deion Hamilton. Uh, I my mind goes to Keith Holcomb. My mind goes to Rashad Evans. Uh, you know, I think there's even a you know a Christian Miller. You know, there's guys on the roster that will be that guy. They're just not that guy yet, and it and it may not even be this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. We've talked about the possibility of maybe trying to get Landon Collins, and and so maybe here's what kind of where we segue into the the defensive backfield. You know, we've talked about trying to get uh, you know Landon Collins, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage because he can play you know a lot of different types of roles. You know, we started defense, and we haven't really even talked about the corners. I'm just going to call them out. I, I thought I on a whole, I think neither played as bad as we probably all think that they played. I think Cyrus actually played very well. Sylvie, I think, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but he just seemed disjointed from the go, and they smelled blood in the water, and they just kept going after him. And then he got to the point where he just, even when he was doing the right things, he couldn't do the right thing. When they caught that, when that guy caught that ball, and, and I mean, I don't even know how it wasn't pass interference because, you know, Sylvie was just literally all over him. And he just raised his hands like, I don't know what I can do any better than this. Well, I, 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 I do think Say that. It. Come on. Well, no, it's just like the linebacker position, okay? It's no different from the linebacker position. If you've got guys that you don't know are going to be your guys, then you stick some other guys out there just like the quarterback position, okay? We've got position. You and I said it a few weeks ago. We've got positions on this team that the starter now might not be the starter at the end of the season. You know what? It's been open competition in practice. So I don't love – playing a lot of cornerbacks, okay? But you should have given Geno Smith some run at cornerback. You should have given Maurice some run at cornerback. Eddie Jackson can't go right now. I'm sure he can't go right now. But in my opinion, you should have gone to a dime. You should have given safety help over the top of those cornerbacks when you knew they smelled blood in the water. Or you should have brought a third cornerback on that field. And what West Virginia did, which was ingenious, is they stayed in a two-wide wide receiver format the yep. whole game. Yes. You know why? They didn't want to see Geno Smith. They were smarter than that. They said, "Okay, you're just going to keep these 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 uh, these only these two cornerbacks." Or I'm sorry. They said, "We're just going to have two two wides against two corners." 
and we're just going to go one-on-one against your corners. And so why we didn't go to a dime formation and give these guys some help over the top, I have no idea. Well, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. We, we did go to a dime a, a couple of times, and so Gino was the starter at, at the dime, uh, at, at the, you know, I guess at the money. You know, you could call it a compressed field because they were driving the field, but I swear we played better on defense when he was on the field. Some of it was inexplicable. Gino comes on the field, we sack them the next play. Gino had nothing to do with that. But we didn't sack him when Gino wasn't on the field. It's, it was just, to me, it was just inexplicable. Gino's on the field. There's going to be a play made. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think they scored a point while he was on the field. Well, here's, here's what I don't understand. And this, this is, I'm not going against the cornerbacks, okay? Because here's why. Was the technique off? Okay, yes, the technique was off from Sylvie, okay? They, I mean, there, there was obviously times where, where he was he was not doing the way he had been coached in practice, okay? But then again, like you said, was there plays that he made as well? Yes, there was plays he made as well. But at the end of the day, I would have quickly changed. Who am I? I'm nobody. But I would have brought Geno Smith in at the star. I would have rotated Jarrett Williams back with Nick Perry, and I would have let them give help over the top. Yes, and 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 I and I would and, and and I'm sorry with Landon Collins. See, here's the other thing. Okay, show me you can beat me running the ball. I think my front four, instead of having three down linemen, I would have put four down linemen with my two 250 pound linebackers, and then I would have sat there and I would have you know played nickel on top of played it. nickel on top of it. Then my point is, you can't run the ball. Okay, you're picking on my corners. So guess what? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna dare you to run the ball because you're not you're not you're not going at my corners anymore. It's right. done. I'm taking that off the table. Yep. And I didn't feel like we coached that way, and that just really surprised me. Well, it, and no, I think you're spot on. I don't I don't think we I don't think we were that aggressive, you know, doing that as well. I think that um, I, I think Nick Perry. Uh, I think you know we sub Gino for for Nick Perry a couple times. I literally saw. Uh, and this was kind of down on the – you were the sort of the tier uh, the tier above me, the really better seats in the Dome. I don't know if you saw this because it was kind of close to where we were sitting. They were driving – West Virginia was driving towards our side of the field. And Nick Perry was just out of position. Uh, they, they collected uh, – they you know, they made a, a pass. And uh, Kirby Smart literally grabbed Nick Perry by the shoulder pads. And he didn't throw him. It wasn't a violent move. But he grabbed him by the shoulder pads and positioned him on the bench. He positioned him off of the, off of the playing field, and and then Gino went uh, you know went in after that, and I think maybe they scored a, a field goal on that drive. But you know I, I think that I think that Gino Smith is uh, and then you know look I'm not going to root for anyone to get hurt. Uh, Jarek Williams is is uh, you know suffered a foot injury. I think he played through it most uh, most of the game, or you know at least second part of the game. He's going to be out maybe four weeks minimum uh, between Jarek's injury and uh, Nick Perry's play. And I'm sorry, we've seen him get beat out. You know, each of the last you know last year he got hurt, and so we've seen him you know in, injury last year and beat out you know the two years prior to that. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a pattern there. I hate to say it, but uh, I think Gino is going to have. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field now with Jarek uh, being injured and, and, and Perry's performance. I think it's going to be hard to keep Geno Smith off the field, and I am still predicting great things for him when he's on the field. Well, I don't disagree with any of that, okay? But why are you not giving a little opportunity? 
I mean, don't you feel like a couple of the other guys should be getting some run here too? Like, um, were you surprised, just like at quarterback, we didn't see Coker. Were you surprised we didn't see Tony Brown? Yes, and in fact, at one point, uh, it looked like the coaches were motioning, and he went to run on the field, uh, and then they kind of wo- woed him down b- before he went in. I was very surprised that he did not go in. You know, it's there's a, you know, it's a competitive game, and 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 sports is is you know supposed to be the ultimate meritocracy, and so you know, on the one hand, you can be very gentle and say, well, you don't want to break the guy's confidence by pulling him from the game. It, you know, at the other hand, the other guy probably deserves a chance to compete and play as well. And so there were a couple of points where uh, I think Tony Brown should have come in for Silv. I, I just think that at least let's put some of his play on film and let's see what we've got. Now we don't have any of his play on film. And, you know, you know maybe Silv is going is, is gonna to kind of power through some of this. That's yet to be determined, but uh, I, I'm nervous. I'm not saying that we don't have because I still think you know, kind of our pregame show are talking about DBs. There's a ton of talent. We will find two that can play. We didn't find them. You know, we didn't find both of them Saturday. No, we didn't, man. And and you know, and and, and I can't put a bow on this. Okay, the the only play, you know, because because here's what happened. We we had a team that knew they couldn't run the ball, and so they said, okay. We are just going to air it out one-on-one on the outside or we're going to pitch it over the linebackers' heads across the middle. And they were extremely successful in doing so. They only had the ball 22 minutes. So guess what? Yeah, they only scored 22 points. And yes, they only scored one offensive touchdown. But if they had had the ball another 10 minutes, we could have lost this game. I'm okay. sorry. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's no way to, there, there, there's no way to spin this. When you look at this, a team with four wins started the game with a 14-play drive for 80 yards. Then they came back with another nine-play drive for 75 yards. Okay. Then they came back with another drive for almost 70 yards. They almost had three drives in this game for over 70 yards. Yeah. Something's wrong with that picture. Well, you know, I. Let's be realistic too, though. I mean, West Virginia is not. I, I know that they only won four games last year, and they had, you know, some injuries and and you know they had some some issues. But you know, at the same time, you know, Dana Holgerson is a very bright uh, offensive mind, and he's had all season to sort of gin this up. And he, you know, you know, he's got the Auburn tape and the Oklahoma tape just you know on constant loop, probably in his you know basement right. all. You know, you know, he was, you know, he was lifting some plays. He's got three senior receivers and, you know, a senior quarterback. He's got some parts and pieces that, 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 that he can go to work with. And that was perfect for our current situation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> as frustrated as we can be and as, you know, Alabama fans, we, you know, should be in our defense. It's not, it's, it's a little unfair to not give a, a, a tip of the hat to their the way that they schemed and uh, and overcame us, I think that uh, on top of that, we you know not having our play calling middle linebacker and not having you know this is where this is where you think you know one of our least athletic safeties you know Vinny Sinceri, this is where he would have been a big help even yes. at free safety yes uh, you know somebody somebody like that and so we don't have our play calling middle linebacker. And and we really don't have our play call in free safety. And Saban even said in his Monday interview that that uh, the front eight were not always doing the same thing that 
the back four, back five, or you know, right. uh, you know, the front seven and the back four, or, you know, whatever, right. whatever the numbers are, right? That the that the, we were doing two different things. We were running two different uh, plays. And Saban, you know, Saban said it right. He goes, "Look, if all eleven guys are doing the wrong thing, but they're doing the same wrong thing, then you've got every gap covered. But if you're doing two two things, then you don't have every gap covered. And so I think that some of it was. I think we were missing some personnel, and that doesn't say that we don't have talent on the field or didn't have talent on the field. I think we were missing some personnel, and we weren't necessarily running all of the same right things at the right time. That's something that's got to be cleaned up, and guess what? That is very coachable. Well, it is, and and going back and, and, and you know, between watching the game live and, and watching the replay, there were numerous times where the safeties were were communicating very late, right, yes. at the time of the snap. And and so were the linebackers. And so, you know, it's possible because obviously when he talks about missing the gaps, it wasn't the running game, right? They didn't they didn't they couldn't rush the ball. Sure, sure. Um, but but maybe it was the passing lanes. Okay. And and maybe the the zone coverages gaps is you know, a generic people, term. Gaps is I understand, but I, I'm just saying maybe from a zone standpoint in the passing game, right? We didn't have all the zones covered, you know, like we were supposed to. Sure. Um, I, I will I will say that I really like your idea of having Landon Collins walk up there next to one of those two hundred and fifty pound linebackers and 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 subbing one of them in in a in an obvious passing situation. I, I I would love the idea, and maybe we can't do it now given the injury situation, but I like the idea of having a safety or another corner sitting there next to one of those 250-pound linebackers. I just think it gives you, gives you more help in the middle of the field just given the makeup of our, of our current roster on, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess I've got a, a, a burgeoning bromance with, with, Kenny, with Geno Smith because I think, that, I think that he can probably man that free safety position, help the, help the corners get lined up, uh, you know, and Cover allow – the middle of the field. To, to yep. that. Yeah, I just – again – it, to me, it's a little bit inexplicable because it's been the same story for the last three years. You know, wrote about it at length in, in the guide. If you're if you've if you are watching our defense for the last three seasons, there is something that is just intangible. We play better when Geno's on the field. But David, if that is the case, okay, and I'm not disagreeing with you. What we're nobody. We're not coaches. How come they couldn't see? that they're staying in a two wide so that we can only run the two cornerbacks. And why didn't they work Gino into the game somewhere else? I don't know. I don't know. And, and <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. And Maurice Smith has been running, has been, you know, spending some time at, at the star too. And so, you know, if we take Gino who we call him, we call him a safety, but he's really a cornerback type. He was a four star, you know, cornerback recruit. We put him at free safety and then we bring Landon up and then we put Maurice Smith, who's been spending some time at the star. And he actually, and he is a cornerback. You know, we've got four cornerback types on the field. I, and then and you bring Landon up as, as a linebacker. I'm comfortable with that nickel blitz the fire out of him up front. You know, that's, we could talk about that too, right? We get some more pressure up front and the cornerbacks suddenly play better. Uh, yes. And so, but give me, give me, you know, and if Eddie Jackson's able or Tony Brown is able to kind of step in maybe for, for Sylv, uh, and then you put Gino and, you know, Maurice and Landon, like we're talking about out there, out there with, uh, Cyrus, man, get after him up front because I think the back end would be tight. I think we could be airtight, you know, near airtight on the, on the back end. 
and then we could we could really let some guys loose. I don't know why we didn't kind of experiment. You're right. We should have sat there and said, okay, we'll take away. You know, we you know we can run to we can run to a dime, force you to run the ball, and we're yes. gonna take away two of these three receivers. Yes, uh, but we we you know we we uh, we opted not to do that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. You 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 go one of two ways. If there's something else on defense you want to cover. Uh, yeah, I just, want, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I want to yep. cover the defensive line real sure. quick. We, we, I want to give a little love. We, we, we started Ashawn Robinson at the nose guard because yes. we knew they weren't going to be running the ball. Uh, we talked about that in the in the pre uh, in the shows um, on defense. So we, we, we start we, we start three down linemen. You know, we start Allen and, and Robinson and, and Petway, and um, we, we, we ran we rotated eight guys in total. Uh, we brought Brandon Ivory and, and Jaron Reed in the game uh, in certain situations. Yep. And then we ran uh, Xavier Dixon and Dalvin Tomlinson and, and Deshaun Hand. Yep. Um, you know, Xavier Dixon had a, had, a, had a good sack on the quarterback, good pressure play. Um, Deshaun Hand had a couple good plays where he was sealing, uh, sealing off the corner on the run, um, gave some good pressure on the quarterback. Um, I, I was very impressed. I, I was very impressed with several plays. I, I felt like I saw several plays between Hand and Tomlinson and Dixon and Ashawn. I think those guys played better than anybody else on the defense. Yeah, I think they played very, very well. Uh, I think they they uh, got into a rhythm as the as the game went on. I still think we have a lot of opportunity to get better. You know, it it's almost you know I, I guess my whole analysis you know breaks down to. What we saw on Saturday, the parts, you know, the sum of the parts, the whole did not equal the sum of the parts. Uh, you know, however that saying goes, right? We have a lot more parts and pieces, a lot more talent than what we actually saw manifest itself in the game. Uh, and and you could almost pick a position where where you want to talk about that. And the defensive line is probably one of the better positions where, uh, you, you know, you could talk about that. Just a ton of talent. Uh, I don't think we really bludgeoned. Uh, them with our defensive line. We got better as the game went on. I think they'll get better as the season went on. And, uh, you know, your boy Xavier, I know you called him out uh, as your breakout uh, or a breakout player. I think he played very, very well uh, in this game. Uh, Jonathan Allen, I think, recorded a a sack as well. I think he's a guy that's going to be a player for us too. Were you surprised real quick on the pressure packages? Because as we talk about the size of our linebackers, right, and dropping back into coverage – the size of our linebackers is also impacted at the blitz, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like they – I want to I want to back up and say when I said they played a good game, I was a little surprised that we didn't put more pressure on their quarterback than we did given how many times they threw the ball. Maybe yep. that's because there was only – maybe it's because they only had the ball for 22 minutes, but they they, they – they still had sixty. You know, they they still com- they still attempted forty five passes. Um, were you surprised that we didn't that we didn't do some wholesale blitzes in the game in obvious passing situations? I think we definitely should have uh, should have done more. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought we would get a lot more pressure, you know, on the quarterback. And I say that and what we had, what three sacks, maybe four sacks. Three three sacks. Xavier and, got two, and Jonathan got one. Yeah, and and how many weeks into the season did we go last year before we got that many sacks? It was, you know, more than one. Right. Uh, you know, our leading sacker last year had five and a half, and he was an interior lineman. So, you know, I don't want to be too greedy, 
<laughs> right. Uh, you know, but at the same time, yeah, I was expecting a, a little more pressure. You know, one part of what they were doing was just some quick timing patterns. And so, you know, quick three-step draw, you know, three-step drop, you know, get rid of the ball. And, um, you know, it's hard to get to the quarterback when, when they're doing that at, at tempo. And so I think they did some of that. I think that probably hindered a little bit. But, you know, we have room to improve there, and I think we'll see more of that. Okay. Who's your uh, who's your mini game ball on defense? <clears throat> I am going. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep it deep cover. You know, like you know, like uh, like we're doing here. But to, I'm going to go Reuben Foster. He's a guy that I have personally kind of given a little bit of grief to. Uh, you know, I talk about him reminding me of Jarrell Harris, and 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 hoping that that was not going to be uh, the comparison through his career. Some people won't know what that means, uh, but uh, but you and I have talked about it. Uh, he started. And he had seven tackles. He had a tackle for loss. And I thought generally he acquitted himself very well. I think that uh, it's a significant uh, – the fact that he was not only a starter in name but a starter in action is uh, was was good to see. And if he was playing the call, uh, call in some of the plays, like you said, then then all the better. Uh, I think uh, I think we may see good things uh, from him. And, you know, of course, he's still only just a sophomore. I definitely think the the uh, those guys had to carry a big load. I think Foster and Ragland had had a lot on their shoulders, like you said, against three three senior wide receivers and a senior quarterback and hurry up offense. You know, it'd have been a lot easier to play a team that you know three yards in a cloud of dust for two hundred and fifty yep. pound linebackers. Yep. Hey, my, mine's going to go to Dixon. You, you knew that's where I was going to yep. go with it. I figured you would. Um, I, I was just so thrilled that you know he didn't get one sack, but he got two sacks and. Um, I want him to be a tandem with Denzel Duvall this year. I want both of these guys to to make some havoc on the outside, and and that's where I think Dixon's role can be. And um, I, I just really hope that his game takes off this year. Yeah, he looked he looked a, a little more sturdy in his build. Dixon did. He, he stood did. out to me a little more. Uh, you know, not that he hasn't been working out and spending time. He just seemed he just seemed a, a little more of himself. And and I look forward to good things from him this year. Absolutely, man. Let's let's talk about some special teams. How'd you how'd you like that four from how uh, you you pick whether it's a punter or the kicker, man? They they both get game balls to, in that game, right? Well, yeah, abs- absolutely. And 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 uh, I have to you know I have to go with J.K. right because I called him out as is uh, and even the day you know even signing day I said this guy's going to be an impact freshman, and so the whole game you know I'm like well it would be good if we won our first game and didn't punt, but. I, uh, frankly, is it wrong for me to root for us to have to punt? I, you know, because I wanted to see this kid, and um, and, and when, wow, when he punted the first time, we, you know, he punted towards the end zone that uh, that we were in, and so you know, sitting in the end zone, it's hard to get sort of the depth perception uh, that you can get, you know, from from the angle. But he booted that ball, and that ball went straight up. And and as it was continuing to go up, it just was getting bigger and bigger as it was coming, you know, to our seats in the end zone. And I literally just like, I just, I, I, I just, holy shit! Is that was just my just <laughs> sort of just response, my unfiltered response, and it was just pure and authentic of like, wow, that ball just just flew, and and of course, you know, of course, it was down. And uh, that was just amazing. And then, you know, and his second punt, you know, was, you know, it didn't go 60 yards, but, you know, it was, it was, it was a very nice punt as well. You know, yeah, but come on, wait a minute, man. Hold on. You, you set that up nicely. The first punt was 62 yards to the seven of West Virginia. Yeah. How is that welcome to Alabama football, right? 
Oh my gosh. That was yeah. awesome. That was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. And I, and look, Adam Griffith going, you know, four for four, four, you know, three of the kicks being over 40 yards. Um, and, and, and look, you know, I was watching him during warmups and he was not hitting during warmups. And so I was, I, you know, I think through the first three kicks, I was nervous. And then by the time the fourth kick came came along, I was like, well, he's due to just miss one. So I shouldn't even be nervous on this one because, you know, if he goes three for four, that's a good day. And, uh, and he, and then he, you know, he booted it obviously. So, you know, hats off to both of these guys for just outstanding stellar performances. You know, we've talked about turning over some talent at the, at the kicking position, uh, the last couple of years, you know, who knew? Yeah. I, I mean, his first kick of the game was 47 yards. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's call it like it is. If Adam Griffith, for everything we talked about and have dissected in this game, if Adam Griffith, if Adam Griffith, okay, would have pulled a performance like like you know new kickers have done in years past, sure, we'd have lost this game, dude. Let, let's set this up when 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 he comes on in the fourth quarter to put the team up by ten points to nail a forty-five yarder. There's eight minutes left in the game. He misses that kick. It's a seven-point game, and they and they get the ball back with eight minutes left. Yeah, if if, <laughs> if he goes five hundred on the day, if he goes five hundred on the day, we're in trouble. Uh, yeah, so, because so, because that does that does breathe, you know. Because every time was okay. We got it back up to ten. It's a two possession. Yes, you know, you miss one of those and uh, and make it a one possession game at, at some of the points of of time. You know, when they were really, really playing well, really, really moving the ball, that would have, uh, you know, that that would have inspired them. That would have been a shot in the arm. It and, absolutely would have inspired them. And I felt like there was times in the game where the defense, like you said, the defense held twice inside the 10, right? That's nerve-wracking enough. We shouldn't have been doing this bend-don't-break stuff, right, with this team. But to your point, there were a couple times where we were trading field goals in the game. And it's like, okay, it was 10. They cut it to seven. We took it back to 10. They cut it to seven. We cut it back to 10. Yep. Right. And, um, it was so, so frustrating. Fact- it's like, it was like a gnat, just like go away. <laughs> but the fact that one of his was 45 and one of his was 47 yards, I mean, hands off to the kid. And right. then, and then how did you like the ball? How well the ball was kicked out of the back of the end zone on kickoffs? That was amazing. I, how many, you know, and look, this would be this would be a fun project, right? Did we kick it in the end zone as many times Saturday as we did all last season? Probably, but I mean, it it's probably close. was a tie. It was close, it's close yes. right? It's close enough to say, "Wow." Yes, is we, what we, is. we 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 had three touchbacks in the game. Yeah, and I can guarantee you, you and I can go back and look back, and we did not have three touchbacks in a single game all last year. Yeah, I you know that would be that would be an interesting project to to kind of go back and and look at and and you know maybe those stats are somewhere we'll have to we'll have to do that because you know I I'm not trying to to be you know funny when I I do question how many of those did we have last year okay we had more than three I'm not going to argue that but you know we didn't have, we didn't average three a game we didn't I don't even we had games where we didn't have any so uh, you know that's that's something that I hope that we can certainly build upon uh, I guess I think that's important I think now. Now, you know, if you're going to put it in the end zone and, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about flipping the field. If you're going to put it in the end zone, they're going to run it back for a touchdown. I guess, you know, you can't blame that on the kicker. But uh, I don't think 
I don't think I saw Jabril Washington back in the game. Well, what what did you what did you think about that? Because because I will say that you know going back and watching it at home on the replay, I, I will say that while he was the only guy that had a shot on him, the safety valve guys they took the wrong angle. I will say that uh, Kenyon Drake and Cyrus Jones and I'm trying to remember who the third guy was. Mm-hmm. The the safety valve guys really got caught in the muck and they yep. really didn't take the right angle. They should have got the guy at the 40-yard line. Well, let's be realistic, right? I mean, let's call it for what it is. You return, you return. It's like when we broke down the run for Vitek last year, you know, an 80-yard run. More than one thing has to go wrong for you to, re, you know, for you to have a 100-yard uh, touchdown return. And so Jabril Washington has him around the ankles and, and you know, can't, can't seal the deal. You know, that's not the only error that, read, that led to – you know, the entire, you know, there's 11 guys out there trying to tackle him. If he gets past, it's routine that they get past one guy. It's just Jabril had him so dramatically confined uh, and then, you know, let him get away, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, without question, you know, the other guys don't get off, you know, they're not let off the hook just because of that. He definitely should have been tackled before he crossed midfield. Well, what did you, um, any, um, any other things that jump out at you on special teams? I liked uh, um, uh, Derrick Henry, you know, the 240-pound runback. He was not on the kickoff coverage. He was not the gunner, but he was the he was the uh, the one. Uh, he was, I guess, the second guy in on uh, on the left. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Normally, you'd have you know your bigger guys more in the middle, but uh, no, we're going to put a 240-pound guy as our second, you know, our second guy next to our speedster. I thought yes. that was pretty interesting. And don't, but don't we have other guys that we can run out there with the depth of this team? Because I, I was going to tell you, my, the only thing that I focused on in substitutions was our, was our punt team. Guess who was the two guys on either side of the long snapper on the punt, on the punt coverage? Reuben Foster and Reggie Raglan. Yeah. So we're going to play you all 69 snaps or 65 of them. And then, thank goodness, we only punted it twice because we need you to haul butt down the field and sprint because we haven't played you on the field enough. All right. That drove me crazy. Yeah. Don't understand it. We got other guys that you can put out there instead of a 255-pound linebacker. Well, you know, part of that goes to maybe the late suspension of, of DePriest, that there would have been a little more rotation. Your point's not invalid. Uh, I'm just saying I think that I think DePriest being out sort of underscored it or amplified it a little bit. I'm just saying, don't we have other guys? If you want a 250-pound linebacker, can't you pick some other guys to run in there? Can't you pick Ryan Anderson? Can't you can't you pick Dylan Lee? Can't you put somebody in there that you're not playing as on the you know on the play somebody clearly, that's yeah. not in that's clearly not in the game 65 plays. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, no, clearly you could. I mean, you could put you know Fowler out there, right? You know, he's you know fullback, you know halfback kind of guy. He he you know he would be a perfect kind of guy. So. Yeah, I think that you know, without question, we have options. You know, I I didn't personally notice that that's who the guys were, but yeah, it may, you know we're going to run you out here to punt and then now go cover it, and then now first snap, you know, get now ready. first snap you're in. Yeah, you know, yeah. why not Tim Williams? Why? I mean, I'm just throwing out names, right? Right? Why not? Why not a name like that? Yeah, that'd just be a much better name to put out there. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think uh, 
it'll be fun to see some of that how you know how it develops because I feel I do think we're going to see some movement, uh, you know, just all over the place. Uh, I, I really do. You know, I think that uh, we're going to see not you know maybe not just this next week. We're going to see a lot more players play and a lot more rotation. But we're going to see a lot of uh, I, there's still a lot of starting jobs up up in the air as far as I'm concerned. And there's a lot of guys. I mean, we did not play many guys at all. I, I counted the number, man. It was under sixty. Yeah, we we ran under sixty into the game. I mean, it, we really did not run many guys, and and I know this show's gone long, and guys, we just enjoyed doing this, and we hope you've you've enjoyed listening. But you know, isn't it also funny, David, that we always give up a kickoff return touchdown at the beginning of the season? You just talked about Virginia Tech, right? Yeah, we're just no, due for true. one. Every first game, we're due for one. Hey, yeah. anything any anything else out on defense or special teams? No, I, I don't think so. Unless 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 you're unless you've got something. No, no, no. I'm good. What? Uh, any other mini game balls you need to give out? No, I'm good. How about you? I just wanted to see if we we had to give one of the the punter and kicker after that great performance. We might no, no, we might have to give them just a, a special recognition for <laughs> for doing because because what they did together, right? I don't think we've had that done from that from both the punter and kicker. Um, in any game in the past several years, and, it, and they're both new to that position. Yeah, so. it, it has definitely been a while, and uh, you know, for that, they earn full size balls. <laughs> All right, man, I've been, I've enjoyed it. Hey, Tom, we've got uh, you know our debut on well, not literally our, but Alabama's debut. That would be something uh, on the SEC Network Saturday uh, when uh, Alabama plays host to Florida Atlantic. What do you What do you got? Uh, what do you think about the owl, Owls? Have you seen the early spread on this? Because because I have not. Please tell me it's not 25, 26 points. <laughs> I have not seen it, to be honest. Well, um, I, I I hope it's not. I I, I guess I'm I'm sure it's going to be something uh, something north of that. This is this is a team that that starts three wides. Um, thank goodness they don't have three senior wide receivers, but they do have two returning uh, senior wide receivers. This is a team that you know, has way more success throwing the ball than running the ball. And so, um, you know, not not the formation I'd like to see. I'd like to see a a two tight end with a fullback, but this is not them. Um, well, they've I, they've got it. They got a fifth year senior at tight end. They got an experienced four year uh, starter at quarterback. They're the kind of team that's going to give us some fits halfway through this ball game. You know what though? Good, good. <laughs> no, and 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 I don't mean that. You know, no, I, I mean that as real as you're saying because we need it because we yes. need it. Right. And so yes. let's be realistic. Right. Florida. And for all that we thought West Virginia wouldn't give us a game. Come on. Florida Atlantic is not going to give us a game. And so if they put us in binds because they're doing those kinds of things, that's fine. You know, that that's fine. Show us what show us where we need to improve. Come let us pay you to be a, a, a tackling dummy for a practice game. I, I mean, look, if that, yeah. if, if that makes me an SEC honk and a jackass, that's fine. But am I wrong? No, no, you're right. I'm, I'm just, I mean, it's what we need. It's just ironic that the, 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 there, there's a lot of similarities between the team coming in here uh, and the team we just played. That's all. Good, because we've got to get better at it. I mean, this is a whole nother thing, but shit, did you see Texas A&M? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We need some yes. time. Yes. Yes. No, that, that, that is absolutely correct. What, what do you, what do you expect? What do you, what do you expect in this ball game? We're going to score in the fifties and, uh, you know, they might score, you know, 
you know. You think 50s, really? Yeah, they might After score. They might score. on offense. Huh? After what we've talked about on offense, yeah, man, yeah. I think you're I think you're being too generous. Nope, nope. I think that I think that we're gonna we're gonna score against this team. They might score ten, they might score thirteen, they might score nine. You know, they might, you know, move the ball between the twenties and get some field goals. Um, you know, if they get you know, if they get four field goals and, and we beat them, you know, fifty two to twelve or something like that, that's that's kinda you know, if they get lucky and get a touchdown and so, you know, we're talking, you know, thirteen 16 even you know i doubt 16 but you know 13 to 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 a 52 kind of score that's kind of what i would look for okay well i um i hope that it's that kind of game i think um you know it it will it will not be a touchdown game late in the ball game no um but it will it will definitely be i'll say this it will be less than 14 points going into the fourth quarter, and that will frustrate me. And then we will then we will turn it on at the end, and, and I see this as a very frustrating 34-17 to 17 game, and it shouldn't have been that close. No, it's not a Beebs game. Nope, it is not a Gene Stallings game. Sorry. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I will take I will take your bet. I will take your money. <laughs> it, is, uh, it, is, it is not going to be that. Hey, just because we follow crazy stuff like this, I'm going to just throw this. This is kind of a just some notes that I'd kind of made on the side and didn't have really a chance to work them in. But uh, their starting quarterback, you know, Clint Trickett, is also an FSU transfer. So they played their FSU transfer while we really did not. Uh, we actually did play three quarterbacks in the game. Cooper Bateman was a holder, and so that's kind of you know an odd thing that that we got three quarterbacks in the game actually. And uh, how about these names? Russell, Ru- Russell. It's not Russell. It's Russell Shell at running back transfer from Pitt that we came very close to getting uh, during the recruiting. He's a, a, a five star running back. He didn't have that big of a game. And then one of uh, West Virginia's uh, uh, wide receivers, uh, Ronald Carswell. I was tweeting. Uh, anyone, and, and I spelled his name wrong, and so, but uh, I was saying Ronald Carswell, but uh, uh, yeah, Ronald Carswell, uh, Alabama player that, um, you know, for whatever reason, matriculated along to uh, West Virginia. So it's interesting you to take a program like West Virginia that we've never played in the history of our programs, which itself is kind of interesting. Then when we do play, all these sort of overlapping, intricate uh, storylines, and you know, oh by the way, Saban's from the state of West Virginia. I think all of that's kind of compelling, interesting stuff. No, it is. Now, I will tell you that Florida Atlantic opened their season on Saturday at Nebraska, um, and to help your uh, your your score possibility, they lost to Nebraska fifty-five to seven. Yeah. So uh, I hope it's that type of ball game. Yeah, I think we've got a little more talent than Nebraska. Man, I'd I'd love to see us. I'd love to see a you know I, I'd love to see us hang fifty, and because uh, then we're going to get to see a lot more guys, and um, like you said, we just need to get more guys on tape. Yep, we do. We do Saturday. Very good. Anything else? This is fun to be back in the saddle. You know, calling. Uh, you know, kind of doing our game breakdowns, right? No, man. Absolutely, man. We uh, we enjoy doing this, and uh, we appreciate y'all listening. Fantastic. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, 
or just a shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.